1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
2: The start of baseball season, Podcast One Sportsnet has all your bases covered. Get your fix with home run shows like The Dan Patrick Show, The Rich Eisen Show, and Baseball and Chill. Don't miss new episodes of these shows and more all summer long on Podcast One Sportsnet. Welcome to Real Gem Radio. I am Daniel Wu, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. Matt Moore and I had been talking for a little while about doing something as a playoff preview. I had the idea of doing a team's tier podcast, you know, kind of like a modified version of what we've been doing throughout the year, and he thought of a really interesting player-centric idea that is this show, and I'll let him do the explanation at the beginning of the actual recording, but it's so much fun. And this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag use that podcast one promo code for a 50 percent welcome bonus cbs sports hq which you can get using the cbs sports app available on your phone and so many other smart devices yahoo daily fantasy you can go use the promo code pod 25 by going to yahoo.com daily fantasy or downloading the yahoo fantasy app and that pod 25 gives you 25 dollars in free play when you make your first deposit and Truecar, great place to sell or trade in your car This episode runs a little bit over an hour, and it is something altogether different from what I am familiar with in terms of podcasting specifically in the playoff preview form. But it was a lot of fun, and we have some big differences of opinion, partially because there isn't really any established ground here. So I had a lot of fun putting this together and talking about it with Matt.
0: Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I love doing this with you.
2: I will give you full credit. I I had talked with you about the idea of doing something tier Z for this podcast. I've had so much fun doing those with you this year. And... You're the one who came up with this idea, which I thought was absolutely fascinating, and I've I've been wrestling with it for about the last week. And I will let you explain it to people.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I was like, we're, we 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 done the tiers, and it's like, well, look, there's only there's 16 teams, and we kind of know what the tiers are at this point. It's like everything's kind of crystallized, um, and now you're just waiting to see if anybody really jumps out and kind of like changes it dramatically. Um, and so I thought it was like, hey, what if we did players? Like what if we do a tier of players and like how impactful they are and sort the guys that really matter in the playoffs because playoffs are so often dictated by star performances. You know, who are the really important players in the playoffs? And, and let's do a whole tiers pod based off of the players in the playoffs and their impact on their team's potential runs.
2: A point to emphasize on this, Especially with the way that I constructed my list, I haven't talked to Matt. Talked to Matt about how his works out, but this is not player quality. That is, first of all, both of us have done that in various forms. You wrote a wrote a great piece on the MVP case, and that's also not player quality as well. That's something else that's a little bit different, and that's not what this is. This the way you phrased it, and I thought this was a, a more fun way of doing it as well. Is importance and so generally speaking, my criteria was how central is this player's performance to the team meeting expectations? Because it's also not fair to say, oh well, the Bucks don't need Giannis to make it out of the first round when the, that's not defining success for Milwaukee. Defining success for Milwaukee is you know probably either making the NBA Finals or or a competitive Eastern Conference Finals, depending on perspective and how how everything happens. So I kind of did shift it on that. So teams that are better, you know, they're, they're trying to go far further. So it's not just like about, about that. And then for teams that are lesser on, it's like, what gives them the best chance of winning in the first round or wherever that threshold is. And so that, that's kind of the way that I drew it out was if this person has a bad series or if they have a great series, how much does that change th- their team's expectations, their reality and their performance relative To what, how they would define success this this playoffs?
0: Yeah, and I think um, it's interesting in that it it kind of gets to um, like. I have some hot takes here. I'm a, I'm I'm not usually a hot take guy, but I have a, and if, if you want to say that hot take is like a purposefully like incendiary comment, then I don't have any cuz I genuinely believe these things. But like here's one. Uh Kevin Durant's not on my list at all. Kevin Durant's not on my list of players. He's not in my 20.
2: He he's in my tier 4. So yeah, he, he'll be down there a little bit. And and I think that's another one of the things that this reminded me of is how important surrounding talent is because there are a lot of players on, the, you know, some of my favorite players in the NBA, some of the guys that I think are the best in the NBA are lower on this list because they happen to be on teams that can survive a cold series or a cold game from them due to a variety of factors. Usually that's the quality of their surrounding teammates. And so, yeah, Durant is a great encapsulation of this. Now, I think Durant is a better basketball player than the guys that I have in Tier 1, but the guys that I have in Tier 1 have a larger impact on whether their team succeeds or fails however they define it
0: how many so how many tiers did you get total
2: i ended up with four i could have split my second one into a into i kind of it it kind of has two groups and i'll explain why that is but yeah it's four i'll I'll, actually i'll just say what they are right now and then we will go through them one by one but so my groups were Number, tier one is mandatory successor dominance. I called it like the only way, like the only way this team does well is if these guys are just awesome. Tier two is it would be awfully hard without them being themselves, you know, like without them playing great or, or that they could really elevate it with a particularly strong performance. And that's where the split theoretically could be. Tier three is them having a cold series would be survivable, but it would be tough. And then tier four is someone else would have to step up, but someone could. And that's a lot of the really good players on really good teams.
0: Interesting. Um, I have six tiers, and um, they're broken up by the top, the top level is just one player. Um, the second level is uh, transcendent in that they can just, like, basically, if they have the kind of series that they're capable of, they can get their team beyond everything else. Like, no matter what else happens, if they have the kind of series that they're capable of, it can absolutely just... Tear a series apart at the seams. Um, the third tier is cathedral floor, in that these players are, if they hit their ceiling, they're going to carry those teams. If they hit their floor, those teams are also just doomed with, if they play that way. Um, tier four is necessary; like they're going to have to be at least good. They can be great, and that's better. They can be, you know, not awesome, and it's, you know, they can they may be able to survive, but they got to be at least good in order for their team to, to kind of make it. And then it gets kind of a little bit more complicated from there.
2: Your explanation convinced me to split my tier two. So now I have five tiers because I realized the idea that the idea of whether this player because I was thinking in a lot of ways on the negative side, like, oh, if this player sucks, that team is is dead. And yes. the idea of elevation is extremely important. And I realized that was the way to separate out that tier was the yeah. guys that could win a series or maybe even two or plus by their performance.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'll start. Okay. My uh, My top tier is one player. Uh, and it's the tier is labeled just Stephen Curry because it's just Stephen Curry. Um, wow. It, yeah. So, you know, I, I wrote in total over the span of five days, I wrote 10,328 words on the MVP race. Um, and I spent a lot of time debating all the factors and everything else. And if you really wanted to go at me, a great way to do it would be, okay, you've done all this and I appreciate the effort. But when you were asked to do players and apply playoff tier in terms of importance, Steph Curry was on was the only player on the top tier. What does that say about how valuable he is? And it's a very strong argument. Now, I'll respond with things about the regular season in the context of the Warriors, etc. But here's the reality. If Steph plays as well as he possibly can, no team is beating Golden State. That's like, I believe that. That if Steph in any particular game has the best possible performance that he can give, and I'll be honest, like, there are very few games... I can look back at and say Steph was incredible that night. There are a lot of good ones, and like maybe his best one was 2016 Game Six versus the Thunder. Like that was an an amazing game from him, but Clay was so much better, um, so it kind of gets lost. And so with Curry, um, if he plays, if he has just like an absolutely supernova Curry game, you're not beating Golden State. Everybody else on this list, if they have a, a, even the guys in the level two, if they have a transcendent knight, you can still beat them if you get everything else your way. If Steph has the best possible knight, You are not beating him. And likewise, with the Warriors, even with as much talent as they have, it's been proven if Curry doesn't play well, they struggle. They're vulnerable. They bleed blood. They're human. If you can figure out a way to frustrate Curry or if he just has an off night or if he's banged up, the Warriors are not the Warriors. He is that important to what makes them great. And so Curry's on his own level.
2: There's one other way that that can happen that you didn't mention, which has come up a few times in the playoffs over the years. That's foul trouble. I mean, when Curry has missed time due to foul trouble, and it doesn't happen as much now as it did earlier in his tenure. I think there was a game in the Clippers series that years ago that that swung based on that and that again ties in with your idea that you frame this more in terms of the positive. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. I have him a little bit lower but respect your argument and the idea. And and interestingly, if I were to pick a second guy in that, knowing what we know right now, it would probably be Kevin Durant, but there's a distinct possibility. There there are a lot of guys that can earn their way into maybe not that that rear fighter, but the next tier, like Giannis, but we just haven't seen it yet. And so, that's part of why this is so interesting.
0: My thing is, I feel like if KD has 40 points on 20 shots, and um, is, you know, plays with great defense, and passes, and does everything, I still feel like if Curry's struggling, like, I can see that, I think we've seen that in series – I think it was out last year in the Rocket series. Houston's still going to have a punching chance. They're still going to have a chance at it uh, because it fundamentally shifts. A lot of it is – I'm big into this new concept, and it's something that kind of unlocked itself as I was writing MVP stuff the relationship between the greatness of a player and what he does in synergy with what makes a team great like how often is it and we've seen this a lot a player can be uniquely brilliant in his game but what he does doesn't directly translate to what makes the team great um and okc is a very fascinating example of that but with curry there's perfect synergy when he's locked in that makes the Warriors the best that they can be and with Kevin Durant when he's locked in he's the best he can be the Warriors just like a lot of teams with a really dominant small forward so I, I think that that distinction is really important
2: it makes intuitive sense to me and this will show our, our difference in philosophy though I'm guessing these guys will be, be high on your list just not in tier one. My, I said that my tier one was was mandatory success. And basically what I meant by that is the only way that these teams can do well to me is if these guys play well. And that tier is two guys, though I have this other group that, they're, they're you know, it's a very fungible line between these two. And that is Blake Griffin and Paul George. Incidentally, intra- Incidentally, both of those guys are dealing with injuries right now, and we don't know how they're going to be. And for me, Blake is at the top of this list just because... He is he is what makes the Pistons go. And I think even if Blake was peak of his powers this year, Blake, they still lose to the Bucks and they still lose handily. But he, he represents their ceiling. And I think the absence of him playing like himself or whatever represents their floor. And then Paul George. I mean, I, at the end of February, had Paul George as my MVP. And a big part of why I did then, and I do not now, is that the Thunder, it just, for whatever reason... It just doesn't work without him, and generally that has been, you know, over the course of the season, that was without him, meaning he was not on the floor, but if he's not right, I think it's largely similar, and for George, what's different is it's both ends, because off, especially, and, and I did factor in specific matchups, you know, we're doing this after the seating is out. Where against the Blazers, Paul George is their best defender. I think he is the guy, if they're going to do the kind of Drew Holiday, Pelicans archetype, he's Drew Holiday. It's not Russell Westbrook. And if he can short circuit what Portland wants to do, then that series looks a lot better for them. And if Paul George cannot on both ends of the floor, OKC is going to have some real trouble ahead of them.
0: Yeah, I think the the differences in kind of how we approach it is really interesting because like I have Blake as the very last guy on my list, and part of that is to me in order to be on this list of of most kind of impactful and important, your performance has to your performance has to matter. Now Paul PG is way higher, um, but like Blake, I, I was just in the, in the zone of like look he can have a great series he can play awesome he can be peak blake and the bucks can still win every game by 15 so like the the team around you i think does play a role in this in that even if you are so central to your team's performance that they are just a shell without you if with you your 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 ceiling is so low it doesn't really matter anyway you can't be that important if you can't fundamentally alter a series and we've seen that time and time again where superstar players are able to shape these series and, and change them dramatically. And even though I think Blake has been just phenomenal this year, and I'm so in awe of, of how he's changed his game and how he's improved, um, I can't get on board with the idea that he is he's important enough because no matter what he does – He's not going to be able to make the Pistons the level to which they're going to need to be able to. They're going to have to be in order to compete in the playoffs.
2: That's totally fair. I think part of it might be that I just wanted to respect his importance to their team. But but the point you make is sound. That even like you know the the idea between best case and worst case, it's more about team quality rather than results. And right. th- are, there is there is absolutely a case to be made that result that quality without results just doesn't really matter that much. So you're
0: right yeah. though that like you're right though that I can't imagine the Pistons winning a game in this series versus the Bucks if Blake doesn't play great versus Giannis doesn't have to play great and the yeah. Bucks will still and win. And that's
2: exactly where I where I came from it and it's kind of similar with Paul George and for for me and that's why I had those guys in a tier so I want to see where, where you went with your next group outside of Steph.
0: Yeah so my next tier is is I mean it's the MVP can is the transcendent guys um and it's just Giannis and Harden and, and the reason I say that is like I even though I just said that you know, the Bucs can win without Giannis, and that's true, the reason that he's so important is if everything goes wrong, I do believe that Giannis can have a LeBron James 2006-type moments where he just carries them past, where it's Toronto and it's game six and the game's slipping away and Middleton can't hit and Bledsoe can't hit and Brooke Lopez has been played off the floor and they're really struggling – And all of a sudden, it's Giannis gets a steal, dunk. Giannis blocks a shot, comes down, uh, gets to the rim, and one. Uh, Giannis comes down, gets a steal. Giannis comes back, you know, dished to Middleton, who finally hits a three. Like, I could see those series, those events where, like, that game where Giannis just absolutely takes over for a quarter. And by the same token, like, Harden, you know, I've seen really great Harden playoff performances. The idea that he hasn't been good is a false one. Um, But, but... Uh, I haven't really seen a series on a major stage where I've been like, Harden's the best player in the series like he's the guy and if he has one whether it's versus the warriors or if it's versus you know the nuggets in the western conference finals um whenever it is even if you know I think it's got to be versus somebody that's not Utah it's got to be past the first round but past the first round you know he's got the capacity to just be like why did you, like why did this team lose harden man harden was just that good he just he killed them with step backs he just wouldn't miss um, and that ability to kind of transcend and really shape the game, I think you have to be at that MVP level. Um, and it's fitting because, you know, Curry, Harden, and Giannis are the top three on my MVP ballot. And, and so, and four and five are the guys, are two of the guys in the next tier. Um, so that's, that to me is where, where, you know, the second one kind of shapes up. But the other thing is, these are also guys that I can't, like, if they're bad, they're not going to hold their team back. Like, Harden, is is always like a standard level of good like all right his shot's not falling guess what he's got 15 assists uh you like Giannis like you know what Giannis picked up three fouls but he played great defense he came back in he got to the bucket um you know whatever it is like oh he's hurting in this mismatch yeah but he's still getting points on the other end like it's um, almost impossible to hold those guys down um their floor is so high which is one of the reasons that they're kind of above the guys in the next tier
2: still so much to talk about with Matt but first a message from betonline.ag Even though March Madness came to an end earlier this week, the excitement of sports in April is huge. You have baseball going, Masters is this weekend, and NBA playoffs, as Matt and I are talking about, is right around the corner and so if you want to get in on all the action, sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% welcome bonus. I love the first weekend of the NBA playoffs. You have all eight matchups going on over a span of two days before things get a little bit spread out over the subsequent week. Great time to engage. And betonline.ag has awesome in-game betting. So if you think you get a read during it, you can, you can try that out as well. And the best way to do that is to use the promo code PODCAST1 or you can text BETNOW, B-E-T-N-O-W, to the number two three eight six six nine. Either way, you receive a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Also, have a message from CBS Sports HQ. Do you miss when sports networks cover just the news and highlights without the yelling and fake debates? I know I do. It's why CBS Sports HQ is just such a wonderful fit. It is the free 24-hour sports network that is built for fans like you and me. You can get tons of highlights, analysis, and instant game reactions, everything that matters about the game without diving into the other issues like on other sports networks. And if you enjoy placing some bets or competing against your friends in a fantasy league, their experts are always dishing out the top picks and advice. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It is always on and always free. No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. I had a tough battle about whether to separate those guys out from from everybody else. Because, yeah, I mean, their ceilings are crazy high. And I think part of the reason why I ended up not doing so was because they have better teams around them, whereas some of the next guys down, they're a little bit more central. And an idea that I was thinking about – was last year's Western Conference Finals. Harden wasn't great, and the Rockets still came really close. Some of that is because they defended so well. I mean, there are a lot of different reasons. The Rockets have great personnel, especially they did last year, to handle the Warriors. Harden wasn't great, and they still got way closer than anybody else did. And so that, that kind of informed it a little bit. I mean, Harden can still have a great series. You know, that's why this year for me, it's... It will be awfully hard if they're not playing great and they can win a series, like they can be the definitive player. And so my tier is Giannis, Harden, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Damian Lillard. One of the most interesting things about having those guys together is the lack of true playoff dominance of that group. You know, Harden has absolutely had good games. Damian Lillard has had some really memorable ones, especially early in his playoff career. Some of that is just running up against the Warriors so much in in the more recent years, but... You know Embiid still can have that series. Jokic has never made the playoffs, period. And Giannis had, you know, he's made it twice, but you know it it was wasn't that really that type of thing. It was a very different team, of course, and everything else. So, but the capability to me is the more important thing, and why I put Jokic, Embiid, and Lillard there is because I think their teams rise and fall with their performance more than the Rockets do with Harden and the Bucks do with Giannis. Mostly that's because the, the the latter two are on better constructed teams. They have more talent, all that kind of stuff. But like, I was trying to think about what this, and it, and some of it was facing the Spurs, like what the Nuggets would look like if Jokic wasn't playing particularly well. I mean, we saw a little bit of that. I mean, he had one of the roughest games of his star the star portion of his career against the jazz earlier this week and I mean that that was not the most illustrious performance by the Denver Nuggets so I wanted to ask you you're you've watched more Jokic this year than I have how do you feel about
0: how the how the Nuggets rise and fall with his play it's bizarre sometimes honestly in that it, you can feel like you have to you have you really do you have to watch nikola a lot to get a sense for when he's impacting the game and when he's just getting numbers like it's it, – it's, I've never seen it with any other player. And like you, you kind of start to figure it out a little bit. Like that's one of the reasons that like I, I really have kind of like shoot away talk about LeBron because everybody's like, if anybody else had his numbers, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like I'm just telling you I've watched enough LeBron. LeBron can get 25-8-8 in his sleep. Like he just can. And he could have a game where he knows he didn't impact anything and he just got those numbers. And he could have a game where he has 25-5 and he was the most dominant player on the floor. Um, and with Jokic, it's very much the same where there are games where he just, where he engages and he's in the flow and everything is working. And it's just like, you can't do anything like you. It doesn't matter. He's going to hurt you one way or another. And there are games where it's like, yeah, like you look up and you're like, wow, he's got 14 points, nine boards, nine rebounds with like eight minutes left in the third. And I don't feel like he's been out there at all. He just like absorbs numbers but he continuously and and constantly makes his guys better. Like that's just been the trend with him since he he kind of emerged in Denver is when he's on the floor with you, your numbers are better, your performance is better, your plus minus is better, you beat the other team. When no when Jokic is on the court with you, you have a better chance of winning. Um which is one of the reasons he's like tied for with a bunch of guys uh, on my MVP ballot at 4 and 5. Um so Like, he's definitely got that kind of impact. What's interesting about about that is... uh, List the other guys that were in that tier with him for you.
2: Giannis, Harden, Embiid, Lillard, and then Jokic.
0: Yeah. So, one of my things is... um, that oh i i actually like julie somebody i need to go back on real quick on something um dame goes in that top level without uh, actually Giannis and harden okay he's, i he's, i can say
2: that's that's pretty much where yeah. i have him so that makes sense to me
0: yeah so like he's his floor is always going to be really really high like a bad dame game you're still going to be like oh he had you know he had 21 took him a lot of shots be at 21 and 7 it's a good game like he could have been better made some mistakes but still pretty good um and then, like, if he has like a, a takeover game, it's just like, nope. Like, why'd you lose? Dame went. Dame had Lillard time, and that's that's what happened. Um, so yeah, those guys. My tier here with Jokic is it's the floor cathedral, and it's three dudes, and it's Jokic, Russ, and Embiid. In that, when they play badly. You're never like, well, they didn't play great, but I mean, they still got numbers and it was fine. You're like, oh God, like, he was awful tonight and it drugged the team down. And like, he was a big reason they lost. You almost never say Giannis Harden, Curry, Dame are the reason their teams lost. Like, even when they don't play well, you're never like, they lost because of this. But Russ, Jokic, and Embiid, when Embiid gets beat and gets frustrated, like in the Celtics series, if they lose, if they, well, they won't, if they had matched up with the Celtics, it was going to be, they were going to lose because Yogi, Embiid cannot beat the Celtics because of how they defend him and his struggles and how frustrated he gets. Um, with Russ, if Russ has a great game, if Russ has a monster game where the jumper is falling for a night and he puts up 38, 15, 12, it's really effing hard to beat the Thunder. Like they play such good defense that when you get that level of production from Russ and he's got any semblance of efficiency, you're you are facing way too steep of a hill to climb. But when Russ has well, Russ is four of of 20 and you know and he's got seven turnovers and he's only got six assists and And, like, when he he plays badly, you're just like, God, he's killing them. They can't take him off the floor because they can't do anything if he's not out there, but he's killing them when he's on. Um, With Jokic, it's a little bit more nuanced than that with Jokic. It's either he's playing brilliantly, he's engaged, it's awesome, or he's in a funk and he's pouting because of fouls or lineups or not happy with how things are going or something else is going on with him like he's just emotionally really volatile and that causes a high variance in his performance and when he doesn't play well like Denver has to do, play so high above their level with everyone else to cover that it makes it very difficult for them to win like those guys determine if if i was going by your rubric Russ, Jokic and B would probably be at my top because then it would be Those guys play so, like, when they play badly, it hurts their teams so much. And when they play well, it raises their teams so much that they are the biggest keys in it. In, in any sort of playoff game that they're in,
2: that was a great articulation of 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 Westbrook in particular, and he can sometimes be a hard guy to to summarize in that sort of a way. And so I I really do appreciate that. And and also something that's interesting with those three guys putting them together is the volatility of their personality. I mean, those are guys that can get texts. Those are guys that can get frustration fouls. That can have those sorts of things. And we haven't, you know, we haven't seen Jokic in the playoffs. It's possible that pressure cooker even ratchets that up. I mean, we he's got, I remember him getting tossed just in the games that I've been watching at the time, him getting tossed from two close games that were still in, that were still like to be decided yeah. in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. And refs are notoriously reluctant to toss guys in those moments. Now, not every ref is like that. Not every situation is the same. But, I mean, Embiid can certainly get teed up and, and Westbrook has all sorts of things going on. So that's another interesting parallel with those three individuals. Uh, what's your next tier? So the original conception of my next tier, it's it shifted a little bit in this conversation, but also a little bit before that and the th- most of the guys in this group it's more the idea that if they play well they'll really elevate their teams and it's their only path forward and then i also have russell westbrook in this year just because he's too important to have anywhere lower right. and so this so the way i framed it was it's it'd be awfully hard without them and other than russ all of these are on teams that i'm predicting to lose in the first round and i don't think any of them are super close predictions like none of them are going seven in my like that's my current prediction and it's donovan Mitchell, Bojan Bogdanovic, and then Russ. And so basically the idea there was these, these players, you know, they're they're the key if they're, if their teams are going to do an upset. And a lot of that is schematic, like in a different series, Bojan Bogdanovich probably wouldn't have been as important, but I think against the Celtics, Miles Turner is less because Boston's not driving to the rim. They're not trying to get fouled. So his value is a little bit muted. That young is actually probably more important in that series than he would have been otherwise. And just figuring out, I I don't I don't have a good enough sense right now of how Nate McMillan is going to handle Indiana's point guard rotation to put anybody from that group in there. So Bogdanovich fits. Donovan Mitchell to me is the key because now that they're facing the Rockets, what Houston it's less prominent this year, but what Houston does a lot of the time is. They force you to beat them one on one. That falls on Donovan Mitchell more often than not. And then Lamarcus, I think he's the key to the on the Spurs side to a potential Spurs series victory more so than damar more so than rudy gay or any single like like yeah it'd be great if Derek white played good defense or anything else i think that he's important enough on both sides of the floor that he makes it in this group
0: interesting that's an interesting like delineation is also like the only time that bojan bogdanovich and russell westbrook will be paired in any sort of rank of ranking i think probably we've, we've done we've broken new ground um, <clears throat> so my next tier is actually i've, I've got it it's uh, coffees for closers uh, these are guys that can close out games, and that's a, a level of importance that's very unique. Um, their their level of performance can be poor the rest of the game, but if they close with fury, they can actually absolutely help their team win. And that's a very specific role. Um, they're guys that I think like. Some of these guys, if they have phenomenal games, like, they could be the difference. Um, it's just that they need maybe a little bit more of a, of a structured baseline behind them than Giannis Harden and, and some of the other guys um, behind them. And, you know, Russ Jokic and B, the level above, is more of like, look, if you get a monster game from those guys, it just fundamentally shifts things because you expect them to be good, but you don't expect them to be dominant. And if they're dominant, it kind of creates mayhem. But this level... You know, if they're dominant. You're still going to need probably a little bit of support behind them. I've actually got Paul George here. Um, and I think Paul's been amazing and he's so, he's, we talk about the synergy. He's so central to the synergy of what makes OKC great. So he's vital to their performance, just as like you have him that high. I, I agree with him on that level. Uh, but I do think that like OKC's defense can be good the whole game and keep them in range. And Russ can perform at a level that main, that keeps him within. You know that, like, if he just has like a normal Russ game, they could be cruising along. If George isn't having a great game, but if George then goes on a tear, a burst, because one thing I really picked up on was was um, when I was out there in January to watch that team up close and did all the research on them, is George does have these flurries. In the Bucks game, he basically he had a huge first half. And then in the third quarter, they started uh, really ball denying him and double teaming and focusing a lot on him, and he just disappeared. Like he vanished for a long stretch of time, and the Thunder were still getting good luck, so it was okay. And then when they shifted back away in the fourth quarter, he came back out and just hit this like flurry of like boom, 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 like dunk three dunk. And it completely changed the context of the game, and he's done that consistently this year. And so this tier that's coffee for closers is Paul George, Kyrie, and Kawhi um, in that their teams are probably – like the Raptors are going to need to play well. But if the Raptors get within range of the Sixers in the second-round game, if it's game three on the road and the Raptors are down by six – uh, with like 4.48 to go, Kawhi can come out and just be like, oh man, steal, dunk, uh, big three-pointer, gets a stop, and then all of a sudden it's like, the Raptors went from down six to up, up six in a span of two minutes. Like, this is wild. Uh, Kyrie's obviously got that closing ability where he just is able to hit you with this flurry of punches that completely leave you just staggered. Um, but yes, yeah, so that level, for me, is Paul George, Kyrie, and Kawhi of guys that... And they also have that ability to have like a really huge game, um, kind of the tier above. And if they do, that certainly gets their, their team to a higher level. They just maybe need a little bit more from what their teams can do. Like if the Celtics play horribly across the board, Kyrie can have a monster game and they can lose. It's very rare that Russ has a monster game and the Thunder lose. And so that's kind of the differential between the two.
2: That makes intuitive sense to me, and I think the other... You brought it up in terms of, like, Kyrie can have a monster game and they can lose. You can also go the other way, which—and this is why Kyrie and Kawhi are in this next year for me as well— is the idea that I don't think they have to play great for their team to win, even against right. a very good opponent. And right. th- th- this group, to me—so so my collection here, they're they're not nearly similar in terms of player quality, but there are some, some real commonalities, and what it is is it's guys that have— I would say have high floors and a lot of times have really high ceilings as well, but are more consistent. And then if they give you more than you're, then you're great. And, and also it's this disparity of important guys that are on less good teams and less, less important or sorry, important guys that are on great teams and less important guys that are on less good teams. So I'll just run through the group and it's, it's a very, it's, it's another unusual collection of talent. So, Kyrie, Kawhi are at the top of this group because of their ability to like just straight up win games. And I guess you could put Steph Curry there too because I have him here. And I I agree with your rationale. You know, it's kind of like we took this from different tactics, but using your approach, I get why you had him so high. But that idea of that he can win you a game, but Curry being and Curry being bad, it can swing a game. It it has happened before. But then the rest of my group, it's 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 a mismatch. Vooch, I just I just think that he could be. We haven't really seen him, you know, in this sort of a circumstance. I think he could he could elevate them it is unfortunate that they're playing against the Raptors because there is kind of a Blake Griffin element here that even if he plays really well they're not winning that series Chris Paul I don't know which Chris Paul we're going to see if we get 2018 Western Conference Finals Chris Paul then you probably move him up a tier or two and and I think Paul in some ways is hurt by his high floor and I think some of these other guys are as well where it's you know Russ is more important because he's more volatile and so and and that's certainly fair Then the last, the last two guys, more, you know, not the superstar group, but I think they're really important for their team's success. And that's Rudy Gobert and JJ Reddick. Gobert, key to. Utah's defensive identity, though favors absolutely had some great moments when Gobert was hurt, most notably in that Clippers series a couple years ago, but especially in some ways against the Rockets who they're going to face in the first round. So that does matter. Gobert is, is going to be extremely important. We don't know exactly how close Utah is going to get to what Milwaukee did, which in many ways is similar to what Utah did a year ago, which was first. But, or San Antonio with Pau Gasol, all those sorts of things. And then Reddick is a player who is kind of, he's in this tier because I didn't think he made sense in the tier below. And his role in terms of Philadelphia's offensive viability, I think is really underrated. And that's why in certain series, I just think that the Sixers could absolutely flatline unless Joel Embiid is an absolute monster because Redick gives them a, a, via, he gives them a way to attack. And, and if he, like, it's less prominent now that they have Jimmy and Tobias, but we also haven't seen all those guys together. But I've just seen so many times when a team can take J.J. out, and it doesn't happen that often, that the rest of their offense just doesn't really make much sense. And unfortunately for the Sixers, I think there's a distinct chance that Fred VanVleet is one of those guys.
0: Interesting.
2: Just battles through. Uh, Nate was talking on, on our podcast yesterday about it being... Kyle Lowry. I think there are a couple different ways they can do that. Now it's better, definitely better for JJ that Marcus Smart is not on their side of the bracket because Marcus Smart did a really good job of that in last year's series. And I think that's really part of what swung that series. But yeah, I have Reddick here over over Simmons and Butler and Tobias Harris. Also, because I think those guys, you, it's easier for one of them to replace the others if somebody has a bad night or something else. Whereas there isn't another JJ Reddick, especially now that Shamit is on the other coast.
0: I love that we did this podcast because like it, it just shows such different perspectives. Like I, those two guys are not on my list at all. Um, and, like, I struggle with Gobert, and it's not that Gobert's not important, it's just that, like, if Gobert has a dominant defensive game, um... You can still just space him out and get to the rack and, and get enough points on Utah to win. And if Gobert has a dominant offensive game, that's largely a mechanism of what you're doing. Like you're failing to execute on principles and not doing the things that you that you need to do versus a schemable Utah offense. So, like, right?
2: Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. That it's a little bit different with with Gobert than with Clint Capella offensively, where Clint Capella sometimes that's a choice you make is Clint Capella is going to get buckets. That was, you know, there were some some Denver games like that where Capella was getting the ball and was finishing around the basket. With Rudy Gobert, the Jazz do not have a James Harden. The Jazz do not have a Chris Paul, at least not yet. I mean, hopefully for all of us, Donovan Mitchell gets to that point, but he's not there yet. And so Gobert having that kind of a night because he is a dependent offensive talent for the most part, that means you're making choices, but the choices you're making might not be the most sound. Or you're just screwing up, which is possible as well, of course. Right. Lots of players and situations still left to discuss. But first, a message from Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is going big this year. You have plenty of time to get in on NBA playoff action, baseball, the Masters. And Yahoo is particularly great for people who have never done Daily Fantasy before. Unlike the other sites that let users enter 150 different lineups in their biggest contests, Yahoo has a 10 entry maximum. That means better chances for you to win the big contests. They're also doing something really cool for baseball, the MLB Yahoo Cup, which is a season-long weekly free roll with five with fifty thousand dollars in total prizes. Ten thousand goes to the winner at the end of the season, and then a thousand in weekly prizes. Users can join at any point during the season. You can also try out. Yahoo's daily no management fee contests. Management fee refers to the amount of money that the sites take to run the contest. As a result, contests with no management fee have fewer entries with the same amount of prizes, which is awesome. So how you want get involved if you want to do that is you go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy or you download the Yahoo Fantasy app. And if you enter the promo code pod25, you get $25 in free play when you make your deposit you don't need to wait on the bonus, it you can use it immediately in anarchist, and the minimum deposit is only five dollars. Again, the promo code is pod twenty five, and it's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy or you download the Yahoo Fantasy app. Also have a message from TrueCar. Every car comes with its sheriff stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer. While you cannot put a price tag on your stories, now with TrueCar, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar, simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof, watch as they bump up your value. High mileage, you already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you are finished, you will get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you are ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out TrueCar today. True cash offer not available in all areas.
0: So my next tier is, is a weird match of players um, in that it's uh, I I call it the over-the-top. And what it is is if it's a coin flip game where it can go either way, these are the guys that more than likely you're going to look back and the opposing fans are going to be like, well, how did we lose that game? And they're going to be like, it was just this. Like it was just that this guy did this. Um, And the four guys are, are – it's a fascinating mix of players. <clears throat> Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, D'Angelo Russell, and Draymond Green. So – with Tatum it's all right you you managed to live through Kyrie and give yourself a chance and you limited Horford and you stayed home on the shooters so the Celtics couldn't get the three point attempts that they wanted you broke through and found a mismatch in the defense that really frustrated them your bench played well enough to attack Rozier you did everything and you're in the situation and then it's like Tatum hit that turnaround fadeaway jumper and he hit that two of those in consecutive instances and that just killed us and with Paul we actually have tangible evidence of this, which is um, as good as Harden was in the Utah series, and he was brilliant last year, what murdered them was Utah was like, okay, we're gonna contain the lob at all costs, and we're gonna sell out on the perimeter, and they have to take mid-range shots. And Chris Paul was like, cool, great. Thanks for thanks for giving me that. Love it. Really appreciate it. And Paul was just magnificent in getting those shots that he's hit over and over in his career. And so, like, Chris could have those little moments where Harden plays great or even just good. The defense has been there. They've given themselves an opportunity. And then it's like Chris Paul was the difference. Like, Chris Paul was the separator. Even if he wasn't the best player that night and he didn't have a monster game – it was his little play that made the difference. With Draymond, it's pretty simple. Like, if he's hitting threes, like, that's enough. Like, you did everything else right, and Draymond hit a few threes, and that's it. That's all you need. Like, if if you do everything right versus the Warriors, and Draymond is the one that sinks you, you just got to tip your cap. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Um, but that's the level that he's at. And then D'Angelo Russell I kind of slid in here um based on the idea that, look, the Nets are going to be a a three-point variant team, and they're going to be able to give themselves a chance where they're down nine with 448 to go, and all of a sudden, it's like, they hit some threes, they finally get a few threes to drop, they're in the game, and then it's like, D'Angelo just went wild, and he was able to put him a little bit over. Whether D'Angelo means... I I might put D'Angelo in that higher tier if he proves he can do that in a playoff series. He might go in there with with Kyrie, Kawhi, and Paul George, but he's got to get to that level first before I'm able to believe it. He's got to show how important he is. So, like, he He's kind of like he is he is experimentally in this tier to see where he's actually going to be. He's either going to drop or raise after the playoffs um from these if I redid these based off of of what happens but for now he'll go ahead and slot in here. I
2: ended up not placing Russell not as much because of his you know what he is as a player or anything else but more the presence of Spencer Dinwiddie the idea that if it's not working for Russell they just have somebody else they can try and and yeah, Kenny, like Atkinson. How important, yeah. Kenny Atkinson Yeah. Kenny Atkinson has done that this year. He's also often played those guys together and that Nets sixer series is absolutely fascinating to me in no small part because Philadelphia can do a lot of different theories defensively, and which ones they use at different times is going to be exceedingly important. If they want to try a bunch of drop coverage type stuff with Joel Embiid when D'Angelo Russell's on the floor, Russell can absolutely go off. I mean, he can attack that sort of a coverage. And that's a big part of why I wanted to see the Nets face the Sixers as opposed to the Raptors, where I just thought, whatever the Nets try, the Raptors are just gonna eat it up. Like that's just they they have they're good in every way, and they can make they can just make whatever Nick nurse makes, whatever choice is going to make life harder on the opposing defense. Whereas Brett Brown is a lot more comfortable just saying, we're going to do our thing and let's see where it goes. And that's why I've advocated that if Brett Brown listened to me, which he doesn't, that's totally fine. Is that I would actually, and this is very rare for a favorite to do, I would shift my rotation as Philadelphia based on what Brooklyn does with Russell and Dinwiddie. You know, I would be trying to square up Embiid's minutes with Dinwiddie's minutes. And, and part of that is also because Philly's bench is so bad that you can kind of put these guys together in a lot of different alignments, and it makes a difference, but it's not, you know, it's just, it just kind of is what it is. And so I'm really interested to see, you know, you have Brett Brown, who's coached in two playoff series as a head coach, Kenny Atkinson, who this is his first time around, How does this cat and mouse work? because these teams have more extreme strengths and weaknesses than most teams in these 16.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. This series is really fascinating. The line on it's very fascinating. The Sixers are a little bit heavier of a favorite than I thought there would be. Like, there's some really good value, I think, on the Nets. Um, if Embiid's not ready to go, that series is going to get really interesting in a hurry. Like, they're just going to get super interesting in a hurry because Embiid's you know, the only guy that I have on this list in terms of his importance, and if he's not there... Like, I, I, if I was a Sixers fan, I would start panicking.
2: Oh, absolutely. And Embiid and ties in with this idea that's so important, and it's part of why I had Blake Griffin so high, is the suitability and capability of replacements. The Sixers could try, you know, they could try... Jonah Bolden there, go to a switchier system, try to defend, but then their offense is completely different. And I actually think there are times that that might end up working, but then there are a lot of times that it wouldn't. And Boban is a specific piece in a specific spot. You can't really expand his role. Maybe they would try a little bit of Mike Scott. And it is striking how so many players at the top of this list, at the top of my list, and I think fairly to the top of yours have these health concerns. And maybe it's because absence makes the heart grow fonder. We've seen what these, you know, we have proof of concept here. Like for me, Blake Griffin, Paul George, Joel Embiid, all of those guys have missed meaningful time recently. And so we know how their teams fell off. Some of the other ones, you know, we've seen obviously Steph in the past, but we haven't seen it recently. And Dame has been remarkably healthy over the course of his career. We would probably see a really big drop off with him. We saw Kyrie last year as well. So you have, the, the, it, it is an important part of this. And, and I'm really interested in how this works out. And also in certain circumstances, like I think Denver is a good example here, how the the hand they got dealt affects that. Because yeah, Jokic to me is in some ways less important because they got an easier draw. Because if they if they had faced Houston, then he becomes a much larger figure because they need everything from him to get out of, you know, to get to the conference finals, whereas now they might be able to get away with a B or a C game and and make it through.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, we just don't know. My my big thing with the Nuggets, I've been consistent on this, is just that we don't know. We don't know what Jokic is going to look like. We don't know what Gary Harris or Jamal Murray is going to look like. Um, They don't know. And, like, they admit that. Like, I was talking to Gary Harris the other night about it, about how I, I was like, have you talked to him? Like, I was like, have you talked to Paul about it? He's like, we ask him all the time. He's like, we're always asking him, like, what's it like? Uh, we're asking ourselves that. Like, what's it going to be like? Uh, he's like, we're excited for it. He's like, but we just don't know. We we don't know until we get there what it's going to be like. And, and that's one thing that the veterans have told them is just like, look, man, I can give you – I can tell you, like, how it is, but until you're in the moment, you're not going to understand. And then immediately you're going to get the difference in what the regular season is and what the playoffs are. So um, we just don't know. We don't know how they're going to react. We don't know how Michael Malone's going to do. He's a really high strong coach. Um, one thing that, like, in this first-round series versus the Spurs, I've been trying to kind of, like, inform my Nuggets media colleagues of, like, you know, their their inclination is, like, oh, man, going up against Pop, like, this is the worst possible thing. Like, like oh, man, it's Pop, and I keep trying to tell him, I'm like, look, guys, I've covered more Spurs series than I've covered any other team, and I've seen him win a lot, uh, but one thing I can tell you is Pop's really reluctant to make changes in the series, He does not want to make adjustments until he absolutely has to. He waits until Game 3, Game 4. Well, I mean – Kawhi Leonard at power forward.
2: What what series was that? Where the, he went to it like the I think that was the OKC series where he went to it for like the last
0: ten minutes of Game Seven. Yeah, like it's just it's it's wild. Like the the Rocket series is the one I always think of because like he kept starting pow. Like he like we were all like you just you cannot play Powell and Aldridge together versus this team. Like what are you doing? And he just kept doing it. And by the end of the series, he was starting Johnson Simmons and playing small. Um, because he knew that was the only way for them to, to beat Houston. He's really reluctant to get away from what has worked for him all year. And that does, like, that can get him into a hole sometimes. Uh, now, if it works, you're at a real disadvantage because then he's just going to twist the knife more. Um, but that's like really one of the, the kind of pressure points in this series is. Can Pop make what they do work, or are they going to not be able to have enough firepower and he's going to have to change things up? It's going to be, I think that series is going to be really fascinating.
2: It is also a parallel, though that series will be more competitive than the other one, of a team that doesn't play a lot of, that doesn't start some of their best players. You know, like that's a part of the story with the Clippers here, is that depending on, I mean, Doc could theoretically change it for the Warriors. I'm not sure that he will, though he did on last week when Gallo was out. You know, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell are two of, The Clippers, probably three or four best players, and neither of them starts. The general orthodoxy is, you know, in the playoffs, your starters are going to get more minutes, your bench guys are going to get squeezed. And so for San Antonio, they have this really weird starting lineup that hasn't been particularly good. It's just that their bench has been dominant and that they can put together these runs and these combinations that work really well. And against most teams, I just wouldn't have cared too much about, you know, I, it's like, well, I mean, they're, they're the Spurs fastball to me just isn't, it isn't amazing. Like their ceiling play isn't there, but against Denver, a team that hasn't really been there before that has more variance due to inexperience, but also just the way they play. Like Denver has variance They're the they seem like that. There are, there are many of them in this year's playoffs. The Sixers are another one. And so, yeah, I think, I think there is some intrigue there. And with Pop, it might just be because of the combination of kind of how his career has ebbed and flowed. To me, he is. He's one of the best, if not the best, NBA coach of all time. However, especially in the current vintage, to me, he is a much better... He is an unbelievable regular season coach. I mean, last year's team, you have the story of them defending without Kawhi. And, you know, with Kyle Anderson and Danny Green being hurt most of the... Kyle Anderson being healthy, Danny Green being hurt most of the year. A lot of Island of Misfit toys type of guys, and you're sitting there going like, how is this team going to defend? And DeShante was a big part of it and everything else. Then this year, you have... A group that has a very unusual offensive skill set and takes a totally different shot mix than everybody else, but because they never turn the ball over and because they have guys that are that know what they do and are incredibly good at it and have a philosophy that fits, they're doing that. But the problem with having a team that under that oh, consistently overperforms their talent level in the regular season is that a lot of times. That doesn 't work in the playoffs because opponents are better the the bench part of san antonio 's reliance, and so I agree with you that that i don 't think Pop should have this aura for the nuggets because he's he's not the greatest playoff coach but it's just it's it 's a complicated thing to discuss because i 'm not trying to say Pop is bad in any way shape or form it 's just that what he is good at at this point in his career, what he is best at doesn 't necessarily translate
0: yeah i agree um i'm, I'm with you uh, in that analysis, uh, you want to run down another tier or do you want me to?
2: I'll do my last one, and so my last tier is only two guys, and the description I came up with, somebody is, and a lot of this is based on teammate quality. It said, someone else would have to step up, but someone could. And so, for me, this is Kevin Durant and Paul Millsap. Durant is That's here. True. Durant is here because he can elevate. Maybe I should have put him in the other one, considering I have Kawhi there, and I think there are a lot of parallels with those two gentlemen, where they can win you a game, they can win you a series, but they don't have to, based on right. the depth of their teams and and everything else. And then Millsap is, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know exactly where to put him. I just think he's very important for what Denver is doing. He's huge for their defensive identity. And I think in particular, Millsap will have a very important part to play in this series against San Antonio. So I wanted to include him on the list somewhere. So th- this is my last year. So that's where he goes.
0: Um, I've got two tiers left and I've got one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Four four, five, six, seven. And also I lied. There is one other Sixer on here. Um so this next here is made up of guys that are just like big shot guys. And it's just like they, these are guys that can hit you an absolutely huge shot. Having those guys is huge in the playoff series. Like they're just guys that can have a, 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 a big impact on it. And it's mostly just like Butler does a lot for the Sixers and so it's a little bit it's it's kind of unfair to put him here. Um but these are also guys that their offensive performance I don't expect it every single night but I do think that when they're good they're great and it can really mess with like I'll put it this way if the other team is having a really good game and they're like we're in a really good position to win these guys can completely mess that up by being great like they could just mess all that up by having like a really great night it's Donovan Mitchell Jimmy Butler Clayton Thompson, and P.J. Tucker, which is funny because it's three, like, pretty versatile, could do a lot, like, super shooter scorer dudes, uh, and then P.J. Tucker that can only hit corner threes. But, like, if Tucker is killing you with that corner three, there's not a lot you can do with Houston. Like, there's just – if that's how it is, got to live with it, and you're sunk. Um, with Mitchell, you know, we saw it in that, that Denver game, just 46 points. Like, he can do that. He's at a, a higher level and he's been under the radar. I have him third team all NBA because of how much he's helped contribute to Utah getting its offense to be at least a little bit threatening, um, over the back half of the season. And, and he's really improved in that area. Butler's a are weird cause it's just like, if you told me Jimmy Butler had 45 in a playoff game, I'd be like, sure. And if you told me Jimmy Butler had 12, in in a closeout game, I'd be like, sure. And that's a crazy discrepancy. Like, if it's a closeout game, Russell Westbrook's having 20 points. Like, that's going to happen. Like, maybe 18 if he just absolutely misses everything. Well, he has and, the worst and, game in that.
2: Sorry to interrupt, but here's the craziest part about the Jimmy Butler thing. I would add in, you could throw in those scoring totals, and then you could say, and the Sixers won or the Sixers lost, and I would be like, sure. Yeah. Like, that's the other crazy part with him, is he can be a huge elevator, but they also have all these other guys that can do it it's yeah. so the, the sixers team i just i do, i haven't figured them out yet i'm not sure that i will this year
0: yeah and like with clay I mean, we just saw it too, that like 2016 is always going to have him in this tier for me where it's like like if clay has one of those games it it don't matter it, it just doesn't matter what you do um and he's less likely to have them and it's you know there it, there's less opportunities for him to have them with this team and he doesn't need to have them because of of durant to an extent um and because of curry and because of the relationship between those two Because of, like, because of the concern that those two draw versus him, he doesn't have to, but he still can, and that's huge, and Tucker, I just think, like, you know, Tucker can also have a game where he just completely messes with the defense and ruins all sorts of plans, and really, Butler and and Clay are there, too. Or if they have a great defensive game, you know, that can really cause mayhem as well. So these guys are, I guess, maybe the best way to, to call them is like, they're mayhem makers. Um, and that, that to me is a very important kind of level that you can get to. Reddick might honestly belong in this tier too if I expanded a little bit because he can, he can also have one of those type of games. Um, and then my last tier is they're basically like, it's, it's really hard to peg. I, I felt compelled to have them on this list. It's Lowry, Bledsoe, and Blake. And like Blake, we've already kind of talked about. Um, Bledsoe and Lowry are interesting in, in that it's mostly a matter of if things go really badly, that bodes poorly for their teams. Like if they have just bad series, not bad games, but bad series, it's like, oh no, things things are gonna go sideways in a hurry for these teams. They have a lot on the line. Um if they're great, they're never gonna really get the credit they deserve. Nobody's ever gonna be like man, Kyle Lowry, can you believe what he did? It's just going to be like, Lowry was great in that game, 28-7. and Like That was a great game from Lowry, but it's very rare they're going to hit over 30, and it's very rare they're going to hit double-digit assists. Their production is never going to match anything that's going to garner them the kind of attention that they may may deserve for how much they can swing things. But if they have a really good game, it certainly helps. And if they have a bad series, they can sink their teams, and that kind of closes out – my tears
2: it is notable to me though i i try not to think as much about how people like especially in our line of work talk about players because that's not as relevant as the players themselves it is surprising to me that Lauer, sorry that bledsoe has not gotten as much crap for how bad he was in that first round last year if he was marginally better i think then uh, sorry milwaukee wins that series and he was he was awful he got outplayed by by terry rosier yeah and That is exceedingly important, especially for a guy who doesn't have much of a playoff resume – he has the capacity to be absolutely destructive. I am incredibly excited about the possibility of Bledsoe versus Kyrie for a full series. And I think Bledsoe, you know, like the way that his pitbull mentality, I mean, the games for me for Bled that were most memorable this year, the game that he played against Steph at Oracle was one of the best defensive performances I've seen on on Curry, not only this year, but over the last couple was was incredibly strong. And he can do that. And... How that impacts some of the teams that the Bucks are going against will be will be significant. Boston is more point guard dominant. Obviously, the Pistons are not, and the Raptors can go in a lot of different directions. They can, you know, if if Kyle Lowry shut down, then maybe it becomes more the Kawhi ball show, or Marcus Soles doing it from the from the pivot, or they're just they're they're attacking in other ways. So I, I'm really fascinated to see how he fits in with this, and and I like the idea of a good player who also, in terms of these tiers, a good player who, if they're bad, can be more destructive, and I think Bledsoe can fit that description, even though this Bucks team is much better, both in terms of the way they play and in terms of personnel, than last year's team.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. but like, you know, Bledsoe, I think, is first-team all-defense, and that's, that's, like, such a big deal. Um, He's been so great this year. I've been really happy for him because I, I was not enjoying the narrative last year of the whole Drew Bledsoe stuff and how everyone was like piling on a guy that came back from a lot of knee problems when he was young and was stuck in Phoenix and, you know, played, was still kind of getting used to Milwaukee and kid was just so bad. Just, I just cannot stress, like kid may be the worst. If we did VO, VORC value over replacement coach, he might have the worst value over replacement coach of anybody i can think of including like jb Bickerstaff, who just got let go while we were on this podcast like and i love jb i i have i have a lot of respect for jb actually but like boy does this that's one of the reasons i don't think bud is coach of the year he's done a great job and i've loved bud this year he's also been more relaxed and he's done such a great job with that team Like, he's been phenomenal it's just the bar was so low for not having the bucks be a disaster like all the pieces were there and kids still managed to find a way for that team to underperform just really incredible how bad he was.
2: It was remarkable. And also you think think about... all of the kind of low-hanging fruit, de- defensively, offensively, that ended, that was there for the Bucks. And granted, uh, part of why I have Boonholzer as the coach of the year is because I think he went far beyond that low-hanging fruit, and that's the the replacement coach idea. But I mean, yeah, defensively, it didn't seem like they were in the right system, and then offensively, they just weren't really doing enough to maximize what what it was. And it wasn't only just getting more modern, but moving the ball a little bit more. And it, it's been remarkable to see the the transformation of them from, you know, like an interesting and intriguing team that would have gotten better with Giannis' growth to an absolute force.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. This is great. I love this spot. This is such an interesting way to look at the playoffs.
2: Another thing that I want to talk about just briefly is the players that we didn't bring up at all. Ben Simmons didn't come up at this at all. He could end up swinging a lot of different things. Toronto's let's call it their big man rotation pascal siakam
0: siakam siakam
2: yeah. Serge Ibaka, marcus some of that i think is kind of the strength in numbers idea that they're they have a lot of options and so each individual mm-hmm. player is not as important and that also fits in with my idea of focusing more on like if a guy sucks rather than if they can i i, I don't see those guys like oh it would be it, i'm gonna be so damn happy if it happens but if siakam is just unstoppable that would be it'd be really cool to see Capella, you know, like a lot of Capella, those. Yeah, like he he could be a huge bellwether for the Rockets in both the Jazz series and a, and a Warriors second round series. Same kind of thing with Steven Adams, who left the game with an injury no on the last back. The season and came back. <laughs> he, like,
0: but he's invulnerable. Yeah, I mean, um,
2: yeah, because he's yeah he's basically like a some sort of like cyborg type of thing. It, it's ridiculous. Al Horford, about, we didn't uh, bring up.
0: Who? What? Uh, oh, what? Oh, Al he... Al Horford. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Horford's huge. And I will say though, that's been kind of interesting this year. I haven't like I, I follow Al pretty closely. Not his performance this year has a little bit to do with why they've been a little bit down. Like he's not as good as last year. It's it's been interesting to watch. Like he's been good because he's always good because he's great. Um, not as good. And if he has a really great playoffs, they could make up for it. Um, here's a wild one: it's Jamal Murray. Like. Murray has some of the highest highs and lowest lows he does have. I'll say that definitively. He has the highest highs and lowest lows of anybody on the Nuggets. When he's bad, he's a train wreck. And when he's great, you're just like, you can't stop him. He he can go off for 45 or 7 on any given night. And that's a starting point guard on the two seed in the West. Um, That's huge. You know, I think it's funny with the Spurs. All right, here's one. Who would you put as the most important player on the San Antonio Spurs for their playoff run?
2: I'd say LaMarcus. I had him in my tears. He's the only guy, but you could make an argument that it could be a number of other other players as well.
0: I honestly think it's either Bertans or Pirtle. I'm dead. I'm 100% serious. Because like,
2: specifically against the Nuggets?
0: Not only that, but like if you look at the numbers, if you just look at the numbers, like they get killed when Aldridge is on the floor. Well, like, that's they're because they're starting good.
2: five. Their starting five isn't particularly good.
0: Yeah, and like that's a big problem. in the It playoffs, is a big problem.
2: Is. Yeah, it so, is. We also didn't mention C.J. McCollum.
0: Yeah, who C.J. could? Who is could I mean, one. he's
2: coming back from injury. We'll we'll see, we'll see what he looks like. And
0: well, actually, if you, if you want to get into the Blazers, the most important, the second most important player behind Dame in my mind, because because of the Nurkic injury, is Zach Collins. Because I feel like Canner going to get played off the floor. That's going to happen by game two. Um. And so at that point, does Terry Stotts trust Collins, who can stretch the floor and hit threes, which they desperately need versus the Thunder to try and punish them for how their bigs play? And can they survive on the boards like Collins is going to be an incredibly important player in that series
2: that. That series is one that I've been having trouble wrapping my head around for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, I've been focusing more on OKC's strengths and how they tie in with, with Portland's weaknesses, but you can go the other way. To some extent, I think you also have all the health health concerns that are involved in the series. CJ, Paul George, I don't know what's going on with Steven Adams. I assume he's going to be full strength because that's just what happens. And yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be so weird. That, I, just to to piece all of it together, and that series, maybe more so than any other first round one, maybe the other, the other argument for me here would be depending on what defensive philosophy we see from Houston could be Houston, Utah is I think that series will look really different by the end, not necessarily because the teams are trying different stuff. I mean, Portland's defensive philosophy is their defensive philosophy, but it might just be personnel. It might be that these teams have just figured out like who works and who doesn't work. And it's just changed the dynamics. I have one other thing I want to ask you, and it's the question that we actually—I thought of it during Dunkton last night, and it was the question we ended on. Ended up talking about it for ten minutes, and it was—I don't want to talk that long unless you want to—is not necessarily the players on these lists, though it absolutely can be. But of the, you know, of the elite group, so not just like a real player. Who do you think we will be talking about the most differently by, let's say, late June, early July?
0: Oof. <sighs> It's a great question. Um, the easy answer is probably one of the Nuggets because they had the easiest path to the Western Conference Finals, and so many of their guys are unknown. Like people just don't know Gary Harris. Like just, people just don't know who he is, and he's he looks healthier finally, and he's playing exceptionally well. Um, that's like an easy answer. Uh, there's part of me that will continue to wonder if it's Russ. Because it's been such a roller coaster with him, and he's been up and down so much, and had such a bad shooting year. But he's also, I'm telling you, as a guy that's that spent so much time focusing on him and know how bad he can be, there's a real effort this year for him to try and defer and to play the game the right way, which he didn't for two years. I really believe he didn't. I believe he like, and I don't blame him because they kind of engineered it that way but he I do think he came to some level of under I think he's still in the process of it I think he's in the process of understanding how he's got to play um and that's and that's important Um, So, like, I wonder if Russ might be the one. Because, you know, Denver's got a pass to the Western Conference Finals, but look, so does OKC. Like, the results of last night fundamentally shifted everything about the Western Conference playoff race because now Utah, Houston, and Golden State are locked in a shark cage on the other side of the bracket. And so Portland, Denver, San Antonio, and OKC are all looking at each other like, we could take these guys. We can do this. We can make a run. We can take these guys. There's just it fundamentally changes things and the Western Conference Finals appearance just changes the context of how we talk about these dudes. Um, and so I wonder if Ross maybe has the most to gain. Um, the other one I think probably is is in the East, if we're going to look at it, um, Kawhi, because he's entered this re- really weird space in our collective basketball knowledge after last year and all that stuff. And then this year where it's like... He was great, but they didn't necessarily need him, and they were good in a lot of other ways, and oh, also, he doesn't play all the time, and like, it's just a very weird situation. Uh, I'm really curious to see how this Kawhi story plays out.
2: I'm super excited about Kawhi. The best case scenario for me is he plays his way back into the best player on the planet conversation by the end of these playoffs. I think that is a distinct possibility. Not a certainty. <laughs> far, far, far from a certainty, but it's a possibility— Kyrie gets another chance to remind everybody of how good he's going to, how good he is, how amazing he is. The, his ability to score on great defense could end up being a big story of these playoffs. You know, if they end up beating the Bucks, which is possible, then I think Kyrie is going to be at the center of that. Joel Embiid is another huge one. This, the, the center differentiation, you know, you have these incredibly talented guys. Carl anthony Towns is not playing the playoffs, but Giannis... It might play some center, you know, like Draymond's playing center, you know, those type of guys. But then the traditional fives, Jokic, Embiid, Gobert, none of them have these amazing playoff resumes. One of them has no playoff resume whatsoever. And can any of them say, okay, even with the modern NBA, even with these, you know, guys like Draymond, guys like Giannis playing the five, in the playoffs, in these big moments. Can they stay on the floor? Can they dominate? And I think you're right to talk, to to bring up Jokic first because he might have more ground to move because of how the bracket shook out. But if Embiid is that guy, then we see all of this very, very differently. And there's also a possibility that it's health-related that we don't see it this year. But I think he could change the conversation a lot as well.
0: 100%. I'm with you.
2: I'm trying to think I'm if there's anybody there's kind there's of playing. lower on the totem pole or... I, I You often use that phrase incorrectly, like lower in the pecking order. That could be there. Eh, I, uh, think that's about I don't right. think so. I think that's I about think we're, right. I mean, I think we're, I, yeah, I sc- yeah. even though I think that the variance for him in terms of like rank and player spot in the league is not as high, where Giannis fits in in the league landscape right now is going to shift a lot. So I don't. I don't think it's like oh he's going to go from being like the best player in the league to the tenth best or something like that. But whether it's like oh my god, like this team is going to be competing for championships because of Giannis for the next like f- three to uh, six years or something like that, that's going to be a big part of the story of this year too.
0: Yeah. Um. I. I think one other guy I think that that I would look at. Um. Just a little bit in the conversation is Chris Middleton because he's heading into mm-hmm. uh, that free agency period, right? And like Bucks fans are very torn on whether or not they should resign him or not. And so like this is like a I'll put it this way, these playoffs are important for Chris Middleton as much as uh, Chris is important for the Bucs.
2: Brooke is another parallel to that. I mean, whether this is a regular season story of, okay, you can do this, but then in the playoffs, the drop coverages and the shots they are conceding, just those shots go in more when you have teams with better quality. It's a big question for him too, not only financially, but in terms of where this Bucks team is going.
0: That's what I love about the playoffs. is so much hinges on it. Like, it makes me nervous, and it makes me nauseous, and I hate the takes that are on Twitter. But I do like that, like, there's so many outcomes that come out of these developments. Like, yeah. Daryl Morey has a really great interview with The Athletic uh, this morning with Kelly Eco, and one of the things that he says is, like, he's like, I hate it. He's like, you, you do all this work for months and months and months, and then it comes down to randomness. And like
2: it's it's hilarious because it's all it has to be small sample sizes like that's just the only way that's the only way that happens like the playoffs are a they're not a completely different sport, but it's a completely different iteration like it's not quite college to the NBA but it might be like different professional leagues. Like I don't, I wouldn't know whether it's like the ACB comparing it that because what is valued and what is devastating are very different. And when you take out the worst, let's say the worst 10 teams in the league off in the worst 14, you certain things just don't work anymore and certain things become dramatically more important. And so it's so fascinating and like the bucks are going to crystallize this for some people. And also because you have so many different contributing factors And some of this leads to bad takes and all these other things. But like when a team loses a series, it could be for 10 different things at once. And just because number six is a part of it doesn't mean number four is not or anything like that. And like, I was thinking about this in the context that we're doing a roundtable for the athletic on the Warriors. And like I was, I was, ta- I talked a little bit about Draymond's suspension in the 2016 NBA finals. And, you know, there are all these contributing factors to why the Warriors lost that series and why Cleveland won it just as importantly. And those who try to reduce these things down to one thing often get into trouble, but the playoffs. Lend Themselves to those sorts of knee-jerk basic reactions.
0: Yeah. um Who do you think is the least important player in the NBA playoffs? Is going to play? Well
2: that's, well, that's interesting.
0: One of the Pistons, right? Like it's got to be like like Ish Smith, who who will now hit a game winner on Saturday. Now i said that.
2: I'm, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it kind of has to be has to be a piston. Maybe somebody like like Shea Shay Gilgis Alexander, where it's like he's he's good. I like Shea, but he's but he's not going to really I don't think he's
0: going to swing that series. But yeah, on the Pistons, that's how I feel about Zubat. I like, got I'm like the only guy on the internet that's not a Zubac guy.
2: I, I wonder how he's going to be used and where that series is, is going to go. But, yeah, I've tried to think about which piston. But, yeah, yeah, like maybe like Thawne Maker, which would actually be – I hadn't even thought about that this is a revenge series for him. That's going to be kind of fun. Yep. Yeah, I mean – because cause like, I think guys like Kennard could actually be – could actually swing some stuff and Detroit's going to need something. Yeah, Ish, Ish is a reasonable one. Uh, that series is – that series will not be one that I focus on as much. I, I normally I end these podcasts by saying, "What are you going to be looking for for the next two weeks?" And the answer is everything, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to be be looking at everything, man. I'm just I'm excited. Uh, I get to cover a playoff game here in Denver again, which is great. Uh, I'm are, I'm now in a tough position because of the matchups. Because if Denver gets past San Antonio, which isn't guaranteed, and if OKC gets past. Portland, which isn't guaranteed, but if those two things happen, I now have Denver and, and OKC, which is an easy trip for me to manage and low cost, and that's a great second round series. But God, I was really looking forward to Milwaukee-Boston second round. Like that's this is where I start getting to is like I don't travel first round because there's too many games to cover, but now I'm in like where do I want to go? Like second round and, and conference finals, where do I want to be? And this is going to be some tough ones. There are a lot of folks that are really down on these playoffs, these matchups. And I'm like, I think this looks awesome. I think this is going to be a really great. I think that the one eights are going to be bad but the rest of them I think have genuine chance for intrigue and I think that people are sleeping on how good these might be
2: the first round might be a little bit lackluster we'll we'll have to see but this is shaping up other than with one notable exception which will actually probably be a close series it just won't be as sexy in terms of the long-term arc we might have three like just fascinating huge second round series and I I mean you think not only about the mechanics on the court but the impacts off the court I mean you have the the rockets getting another chance at the Warriors, and the just Eastern Conference cage match is going to be so crazy I mean you have these these teams and these players and you and I have talked about this over the course of the year. You and I both both think a lot about, you know, how everything fits into the larger picture. I think a good way to end this kind of playoff preview is we will have a lot of prognostications. We just talked about how the playoffs can lead to knee-jerk reactions and mistakes and, and analysis and, and all that kind of stuff. At another level, all of that falls by the wayside. But something that will not fall by the wayside is how these pending free agents perceive what happens because it really is an audience of one a lot of the times and how Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, and the pertinent general managers involved, of course, how they interpret what happens is almost as important as what actually happens.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, it it winds up being like the perception of a guy like, well, we just really couldn't win with it. And it's, it's really strange in that sometimes it, it, it's not even the narratives that you would expect to come out. Like, but they were really hurt. Yeah. But even then you could just tell they didn't have it or like uh, GMs wind up, you know, evaluating mental toughness and stuff like that. It, it's really fascinating. There's just a lot on the line. Uh, in every game even with the you know the playoffs they go on for two months and so many of these series are kind of like disregarded there's so much that goes on that impacts players and legacies and the future and opportunities and all these things there's a cascading effect i mean look Danielle gallinari got hurt and then david lee goes down in game one and it fundamentally altered the entire course of the of nba history um and that's just how it goes and and so what's going to be the events that wind up changing everything in these playoffs that's part of the fun of watching
2: It's going to be a blast. Thanks so much for previewing it with me.
0: Thanks for having me, man.
2: Thanks again to Matt Moore for taking the time to come on. You can read his work at the Action Network. His MVP material in particular was absolutely fantastic. You can follow him, of course, on Twitter at HP Basketball. You can join the hundreds of thousands that already do, but he is a great follow, especially in the playoffs as he's watching everything. And this is going to be a really interesting year. I mean, a lot of uncertain commodities, a lot of big implications, which is kind of where Matt and I ended the podcast. And I I feel like I know less about the kind of the big picture stuff about where this is going than most often. And I like that. I think that's a very good thing overall. So that makes it fun. If you want more of my day to day insight or the playoff predictions, that's going to be on dunked on Nate and I already did our playoff preview pod and we will be doing, you know, breakdowns every on the normal podcast schedule. For games and news and everything else as well, of course. My own written work will be at The Athletic, and beyond that, my off-season preview stuff is going, going strong. If you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways that you can do it. You can leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player if you're choosing. It's great if it's Apple Podcasts. And if you want to be super awesome, if you use something else, you can write a review there and then you can also go into Apple Podcasts and write a review of Real Dream Radio there. It's all about trying to help people find the show. That's why word of mouth is also very useful, specific episode or just in general. If you think somebody would like it, you can tell them. Also subscribing, downloading every episode, getting in the habit is a really good thing for this show and any other. Real GM Radio does not come out on a specific day of the week, so you can't really get into any other habit, and sometimes you're not on Twitter, or on you know, it's on the Real GM Wiretap page, of course, as well, but that's why subscribing is so useful, and then you can, can get in, and that, that helps us as well. And the single most important thing for this show, and any other that has them, is checking out our advertisers. Yahoo Daily Fantasy, go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy or download the Yahoo Fantasy app. Use the promo code POD25, P O D 25. CBS Sports HQ, which is an app that you can download on your phone or your other smart device. Really cool content that they're putting out there. BetOnline.ag, use that familiar Podcast One promo code for a 50% welcome bonus, which is fantastic. And TrueCar, great place to sell or trade in your car. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to send that. I read everything. I don't respond to everything, but I I read it. It goes into a spot, and I make sure that I clear it. And especially right now, I am super busy, so I don't have the time to to write always, but I, I try to when I can. And the show will be back. In some form next week, I have a couple of different ideas of what I want to do. Some of it will be tied to guest availability and what the stories are. You know, what we learn from the first two to three games of each of these series. And we'll be back for it, though. And that's a great reason to subscribe and download every episode. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Mm-hmm.
1: If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. So call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW. At our fully accredited World Class Treatment Center in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. call 1888 recovery now that's 1888 recovery